So they got him. His name is Frank James, and he's the alleged attacker in the subway um, carnage from yesterday. Ten people shot. Uh, really, really bad. Uh, it looks like this is the guy who did it. We can't say officially. That hasn't been proven yet. Here he is in custody. Again, 62 years old, Frank James, and uh, looks to me like he's a really bad guy, according to the stuff he said. But it's stuff that I've seen before, and you too probably. Crude, horrible, hateful, but this is not new. There should be no such thing as no African-American, American Negro. We exist as a result of criminal acts, crimes against nature, crimes against humanity, crimes against everything. This is why we're here. They hate your guts. And why do they hate your guts? Because they know that your rightful place is as a slave in this country. They know that. You're the only one that doesn't realize that. Your slave status is, 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 is solidly established in the history of this nation and world. And we have done not a thing to move away from that. We prove day after day that the white man, yes, he is. He is your master. He has mastered you. Okay, Frank James's YouTube channel. Take out the curse words, and he could fill in for Joy Reid uh, any night of the week. There's more, a lot more. I keep telling you the same thing. White people and black people, as we call ourselves, should not have any contact with each other. You still refuse to understand this. This situation only... Uh, making that solid white majority more determined to do something they have had in the back of their minds but never wanted to bring to the forefront of their minds, which is to get rid of us. They, they just tolerate your existence. But one day our existence is going to be intolerable and they're going to do what they do naturally. Kill. Commit genocide. This is what they do ultimately. When they become uncomfortable, when they start to lose what they have, they have to find somebody to blame. It's not their fault. This is stuff I've seen on MSNBC, podcasts at least. Uh, <laughs> this is not as outside as the mainstream as it used to be 20 minutes ago before the world went crazy. This guy is bad, he's responsible, but he was listening to the current nonsense that's everywhere that was spewed for political benefit for the Democrats. There's more of this. And let's not forget, I've been through a lot of where I can say I wanted to kill people. I wanted to watch people die right in front of my face immediately. But I thought about the fact that, hey man, I don't wanna to go to no prison. You useless white whore. Dirty white you want to look down at me? you. You about to be Well, you already stupid You trailer trash whore. Yikes, I know, this is tough. Good thing we bleeping out the words. You hear that resentment, that hostility toward white women. Hatred. Now, where do they get that? The whole country has gone on a cancel the Karen campaign. This is incredibly not outside mainstream thought. A white woman stands up for herself, gets into a slight argument with a person of color, and she can lose everything if someone takes out their phone. This guy's anger 
it we know where <laughs> it's a reflection of everything he's been hearing for the past couple of years. One more. The planet is reconfiguring. Climate change is desertifying arable land, which is land you can grow food on. Ocean rise is wiping out land you can grow food on. The population has to be reduced, you stinking black you filthy and all that's on your mind is and fighting and talking like the slave you are. I don't know what he's talking about there, but uh, he was talking about it on YouTube. YouTube only removed these videos this morning. This morning, up until he shot all those people, allegedly everything was just fine. So he wasn't talking about the election, right? So you can say all this stuff and not violate community standards. Who's been kicked off of YouTube lately? Uh, Pennsylvania Republicans seeking the gubernatorial nomination? That was deemed uh, too hot to handle by YouTube, kicked off. How about Ronald McDaniel's interview recently of Donald Trump? Too hot to handle, right? No, 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 must be, must be eliminated. How about the Nelk boys, those guys who really like, uh, who are those Nelk boys? They like UFC and a lot of other stuff. They sat down with the president, that had to go. During COVID, anything that disagreed with the CDC. I remember these two great doctors in Northern California, they had a lot of good things to say. Uh-uh, they did not trust us with that information, but, this hysterical, bigoted, racist, black nationalist madman was on YouTube. If only he had talked about the election. Huh. Kind of strange, right? All right, all this happened in New York City. Eric Adams is the mayor of New York City. People are waking up. Uh, some people were conned by his, um, his charm. He looks great in a suit and, you know, big smile most of the time. Bad guy, bad mayor, even even Frank James had something to say about how bad a mayor he is. Eric Adams, Eric Adams, what the f***? What are you doing, brother? What's happening with this homeless situation? <laughs> I got on the E-train, every car, I, if I'm lying, I'm fine. Every car I went to was loaded with homeless people. And the odor, it, it was so bad, I couldn't even stand. I had, I had to keep moving from car to car. I almost missed my train. I'm not kidding. The E-train was, he's homesick with COVID, but he wants everybody to know how seriously he takes it uh, from home. People utilize social media. They utilize uh, their thoughts on not only crit criticizing or critiquing, but turning that, uh, their thoughts and processing uh, into violence. This is unacceptable. Uh, there's one thing to critique the actions of any government official, but to take an automatic weapon, unload 33 rounds into a subway system, wearing a gas mask, using a, a smoke bomb to carry out a deadly action is not acceptable. And we are going to apprehend him, prosecute him. And Democrats in New York City, by the way, they love the word unacceptable. It's unacceptable that he opened fire 33 times, shot all those people. Unacceptable. It's unacceptable if a fourth grader takes uh, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of the kid next to him. That's unacceptable. De Blasio was the same way. When a cop gets assaulted, it's, uh, it's not horrific. It's not an outrage. It's not a sin against society. It is, yeah, the same thing. Look, the bottom line is anyone who assaults an officer, that's absolutely unacceptable. There must be consequences. We'll make sure the PD gets you an update on that investigation right away. 
unacceptable. It's just unacceptable, all right? We really got to work on that, guys. So Eric Adams on television, that's where he loves to be. He really has no administrative ability or anything to bring to the table. So what do you do in the meantime? Uh, go on every show you can possibly go on, which I think were, this is a small sample of the shows he was on today, just talking and talking and talking about how unacceptable brother Bernard, who is in charge of security at some community college in Virginia, to be his director of security at a salary of more than $200,000 a year. He needed his brother. Why? To help him fight off all the white supremacists. Yeah, two days after he became mayor, that's what he was saying. My brother is qualified uh, for the position. Uh, number one, he will be in charge of my security, uh, which is extremely important to me in a time when we see an increase in white supremacy and hate crimes. I have to take my security in a very serious way. Did you hear it? Yeah, he said it. Why not? Every other Democrat was saying it. Joe Biden was saying it. White supremacy. White supremacy. Yes, I need cops to protect. I need my brother because of all the white supremacy out there. Everybody was saying it, still saying it. It's a phantom. It's a joke. But of course, it's responsible, right, for January 6th. January 6th. So let's talk about January 6th. Now, if you accept what the Democrats have been saying. Now, I don't accept this. I actually think, look, January 6th may have been a setup. There are all kinds of things about January 6th that we still don't understand. You've seen the cops let people in, the murder of Ashley Babbitt. But let's, for the sake of discussion, say that the Democrats are right. When it comes to Donald Trump and his language and what it led to, you know what they've been saying. Obviously, Trump keeps lying about the election, and it's already led to violence once. It, it could uh, lead to violence again. There is no doubt Trump's words incited not just a, a, a protest. This was not a right. This was an insurrection, uh, a violent, fatal rebellion on the nation's capital. The GOP is at a turning point over Trump's repeated lies about election fraud, which incited the deadly January insurrection at the Capitol. And warning, Trump's language could provoke violence again. So if you believe that, if you subscribe to that, then you, it's logical. You have to accept that the rhetoric of the left, the propaganda of the left, not just the far left, not just crazy people on the internet, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, what they have said about this country, fundamentally racist place, systemic racism, the sin of uh, slavery, our original sin, uh, white supremacy, all this stuff, then something like this was bound to happen, right? A guy like that listening to the news? Quick review of Joe Biden, white supremacy. We're confronting the stains of what remains the deep stain in the soul of the nation. Hate and white supremacy. And the violent, deadly insurrection on the Capitol nine months ago, it was about white supremacy. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today, not ISIS not al-Qaeda, white supremacists. Focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. We know now we must confront and defeat political extremism, white supremacy, and domestic terrorism. We've taken steps to acknowledge and address systemic racism and the scourge of white supremacy in our own country. And it goes on like that. And some of those comments, you could say, well, that's all the way back in the campaign. No, some are more recent. And here's something 
from his Homeland Security Secretary, Mayorkas, the same guy who's blowing it at the border. He was in New York City on Friday, this past Friday, what, four days before the subway attack, at Al Sharpton's National Action Network, before an all-black audience. And what does he think they want to hear? The greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. There's your false narrative right there. These lies that they've told about America. People in authority undermining the institutions of authority. It's logical that a guy like Frank James, dark impulses in his head for a long time. But consider this. This guy was arrested uh, about a dozen times over the years. The last time he was arrested was in 2007 when he was in his late 40s. It's very unusual for a 62-year-old man to, out of the blue, do something like this. I think he was awakened by all of this nonsense that Democrats have been pushing relentlessly, especially, well, the top, Joe Biden. You know, when you're running for president, you give, I think it's safe to say, four really key speeches. You give lots of speeches, but when you announce, uh, when you accept the nomination, when you win the election, win, I'll put that in quotes, and Inauguration Day, right? Those are really four big, all right? In 2020, how many times did Joe Biden bring up uh, white supremacy or systemic racism? 11 references. In fact, they were essentially themes of those speeches, okay? So let's take a, a leap back to 2008 when Barack Obama was running for president and the same speeches, the announcement, uh, the nomination, the election, Inauguration Day. Now, this guy, by the way, Arguably, I mean, I think it's safe to say, if there was white supremacy and systemic racism, he would have been a victim of it, far more knowledgeable of it than Joe Biden. How many times did he mention those ideas in his big speeches? Zero. Zero. They're lying. They're lying. But now everybody knows it. Hey, stay with us. This guy we were just talking about, Barack Obama, is walking on the beach <laughs> and getting paid tens of millions of dollars for it. Yeah, there he is again. He's on the beach by himself talking about himself. I think he's never had it so good. His two favorite things. Be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more and start listening today. All I can say is, is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Fake news. Uh, they get so touchy about race. Uh, so touchy, in fact, that they don't want to touch it. So to protect themselves, they go all in woke left. 
Therefore, they don't have to think about anything. They can just be safe from the mob. And there could be potentially deadly consequences from their touchiness about it all. So we had that guy on the loose yesterday, the uh, attacker, the alleged attacker, Frank James. And the police commissioner gave a full description of what this guy looks like. We will describe him as an individual. He is being reported as a male black, approximately five feet, five inches tall with a heavy build. He was wearing a green construction type vest and a hooded sweatshirt. The color is gray. Got it. Got it. All right. No problem. Male black, five foot five, heavy build, I think. The vest, the green, the gray hoodie. What's the problem? Well, a lot of reporters just can't talk about the race part. It's okay for her. She's a black woman. But these guys can't for some reason. A male suspect possibly wearing a gas mask and an orange construction vest uh, fled the scene to some sort of unknown location. A man who is described as five foot five, 180 pounds, wearing a gas mask and an orange construction vest, shot five people, two of them serious, a total of 13 are hurt. The suspect, all we know, according to police, is that he was wearing a gas mask and this orange reflective construction type vest. Obviously, indicated indicating that there was some kind of premeditation police say a male suspect who was last seen wearing a green construction vest and a gas mask hit several people before getting away how did the person get onto the subway uh, this person is wearing very distinctive clothing it's a it's a green construction vest a gray hoodie hoodie uh, he's five foot five weighs 180 or 190 pounds and is carrying a bag so that's going to stand out in any video <laughs> You notice, right? They're not saying the race of the individual. Why not? They're touchy for all these convoluted, woke leftist reasons. Just say it. If you call 911, they're going to want to know the race of the person you're looking at. It would help having a full description in catching the guy, right? Now, of course, what happens if the suspect is white? Ooh, the, the venom in their voice when they say white, actually. It's, uh, it's palpable. White is out. Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male mass murderer. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. Yeah, and well. can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. Uh, sorry, Gail. I guess the cop should have shot him on the spot. Death penalty. There we go. Right? Right away? No trial? No nothing? I mean, a white man. You see, part of the guy's crime is that he's a white guy. It's incredible. It's ludicrous for us, for normal people, for people who don't think about race all day long, for people like Barack Obama, who has essentially made a career out of race. Uh, this is stuff they love to talk about, love to emphasize. OK, it's in his book, his newest book, another one about him, uh, A Promised Land. Take a look at these quotes. OK, the black community argued that I wasn't ready or not quite black enough. Hmm. The rumbling from the Rush campaign, he was posing them in 2000. Obama's an outsider. He's backed by white folks. Is he even black? These are things that he brought up. 
from his first book, They Know Too Much, to take my parents' brief union, a black man and white woman at face value. As a result, some people have a hard time taking me at face value. Okay. Um, their confusion made me question my own racial credentials. How about that, huh? All of his internal struggles, I mean, that's his problem. Unfortunately, I think he has unleashed them all on us and we're left with the consequences. Meanwhile, this guy is literally sitting pretty as a billionaire on the beach, being paid tens of millions of dollars to walk on a beach. Did you see this? His new Netflix special about uh, animals? It's, yeah, our great national parks. It's like he's trying to be Jack Hanna. It is really, really bad. Take a look. Panama Bay is one of my favorite spots in the world. I grew up in Hawaii. This was my backyard. My love of the natural world began here. When I was growing up, wild spaces and everyday spaces, they were one and the same. Hey, not just back then. Wild spaces, everyday spaces, one and the same. We see that every day, sir. At the mall, at the jewelry store, at the drugstore. Yeah, right? We know what you're talking about, but this is what we're dealing with back in reality. Enjoy the beach. Whew. Uh, I, I do want to show you a little bit more of the uh, Netflix thing. It's actually funny. I want to make sure that the world's wild spaces are there for my kids and my grandkids. Join me in this celebration of our planet's greatest national parks and wilderness, a journey through the natural wonders of our shared birthright. Wow, you're going to not want to see this. It's just a bunch of stuff you've already seen before. I'll tell you in a second, but... Look at him walking on that beach, having uh, a good time. He's getting paid tens of millions of dollars by Netflix for these phony documentaries. And what is he neglecting? Quite frankly, all of us, this country gave him so much, made him president, a nobody from nowhere, quite frankly, a state senator from state senator to president in four years. So many people did it because they wanted to do something nice for somebody who was educated, um, a family man, yes, black, Big part of it. But now that he's got his, he doesn't care about what we're going through as a country and these cities and crime and these children, black children, victims of gun violence every single day. He doesn't seem to care. Neither does Black Lives Matter unless it's a white cop involved. If a black life takes a black life, they don't care. They can't make any money that way. They can't exploit it. Hmm. Back to the uh, Netflix special. I mean, look at that. Look at the smugness. What the hell does he know about animals? And what does he deliver here? Nothing. Um, The actual stuff, the content of the show, I watched a little bit of it. You can find all this stuff on YouTube. We've all seen it before. I mean, it's the same stuff um, with his voice, okay? No groundbreaking. Uh, This was just another vehicle to give this guy more money from Hollywood, from the elites, sharing it with him for no reason. He's unworthy. I mean, really unworthy. Join me as we explore the wonders and secrets of some of the most extraordinary national parks on the planet. Okay. 
You knock yourself out there. Most of us here, the audience, me, New York City, we're worried about this stuff. Our way of life is really in total jeopardy. And all that status, all that power, all that intelligence, he's not dumb, all those gifts, and he's wasting them on himself, his family, his friends. How many yachts can this guy water ski behind, huh? Isn't that right? Isn't that some movie? Uh, maybe Michelle, does she care about the children? What's Michelle Obama up to again? She's just a girl and she's on fire. So little of who I am happened in those eight years. So much more of who I was happened before. In high school, your guidance counselor didn't see in you what you saw yeah, in yourself. Yeah. She decided I was reaching too high. How did you, as a black woman, persevere? We can't afford to wait for the world to be equal, to start feeling seen. I feel like I gotta share with you all that the energy that's out there is much better than what we see. How's everybody doing? This girl is on fire! Okay. So she hangs out with kids while she talks about herself. She doesn't care. She's using these children as photo ops. She's using them for, as props for herself, for her ego, for her. Another wasted, wasted opportunity. They have so much, yet share so little. Um, by the way, you want to see how bad this documentary is? I mean, this is really bad. You know, sooner or later, uh, you have to actually make the movie Anybody can make a little two-minute sizzle reel look cool. Then you got to make the film. These people aren't filmmakers. They're not. They don't know what they're doing. This is an actual. This is an actual clip from the Becoming Michelle Obama documentary. We didn't edit it. We didn't have fun with it. This is what is the movie. Oh, I thought you were wearing the pink John. No, that was for That's earlier, like, and then that had food on it. That's <laughs> That was for the day. That looks like two belts. It's one belt, but it's three separate. Oh, it's got a top belt, too. Oh, I see. I see. But it's not separated? No, it's one belt, but you buckle it three different times. And is that the style to have your belt so high now? Is that the style? I don't know. We People, don't, I don't, so I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't. I don't. I don't. I just asked. Don't buy it. That was the style. Oh, you, yeah. And it goes on like this for two hours. I like the built up. All that money, sixty million dollars from Netflix, and they couldn't hire an editor. I mean, just somebody to. All right, stay with us. Uh, when we come back, did you hear about the illegal migrants chauffeured to? Washington, D.C. by Governor Abbott. I think it was actually a pretty good idea. Drop them off right in the middle of the Capitol. Let them deal with it. Let them see. If you've had it with the old news. And the same spent. Well, then Spicer and Company's your place. For the inside story. And for the facts that you need to know. So we got a border crisis in Texas, but it was manufactured by liberal politicians in Washington, D.C. So Governor Abbott had, I think, a pretty interesting idea. Send the migrants to Washington on a bus and do it. Call attention to it. Hey, here they are. You guys deal with it. And he actually did it. <laughs> Took a Texas bus, had him come on voluntarily, drove all the way to uh, the Capitol and let them off. And then they roamed around. Now uh, Washington can deal with it. Uh, 
Look, is this ideal? Of course not. But hey, remember sanctuary cities? That's still a thing. And Washington, D.C., oh yeah, they say we're a sanctuary city. We will not enforce the federal guidelines. Uh, At least they didn't want to do it when Trump was president. Sanctuary city. Reminds me of something President Trump said about the word sanctuary. Not just sanctuary city. Here's how he put it. We had the strongest border ever. Not even a contest. The Washington Democrats believe our country should be one giant sanctuary for dangerous criminal aliens and the Republican Party. We believe our country should be a sanctuary for law-abiding Americans. I just like that. The country should be a sanctuary, right? A sanctuary for law-abiding Americans. Great. So, Governor Abbott, I like his style. I really do. Uh, Look, Desperate times calls for desperate measures, and he's trying something. He's calling attention to it, and good for him. Out-of-the-box uh, ideas should be encouraged right now. Take. Texas is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C., We are sending them to the United States Capitol, where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. I love it, Governor Abbott. And you're doing it in the light of day, telling everybody exactly what you're doing. That's not what the federal government is doing. You know, they've been flying migrants all over the country on strange flights, Uh, a private aircraft federally contracted in the middle of the night. These photos uh, from Westchester County in the middle of the night, they come off the plane And uh, the workers, the contractors, they're under orders not to say anything. What's going on, my friend? How are you? Good, how are you? Not too shabby. Where's this going tonight? Uh, Actually, it's up to them. I don't know. You're on a a secure facility here, and and we don't really know anything, and we're in charge of security. So that's hence where we're having a problem here. Yeah, we're hanging out here on the tarmac, like that. My thing is, I like to comply. You know what I'm saying? I comply. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Technically, we're not supposed to show IDs or anything like that. Like I said, everything's supposed to be hush-hush. Everything's supposed to be hush-hush. You're looking at body camera footage from a cop who showed up and said, what's going on here? And these are good guys. They're just doing their jobs. Like, we're not supposed to say anything, but uh, we all know what's happening. And it's wrong. Can't wait to November sometimes. Stay with us. Um, Richard Barnett, January 6th, the guy who had his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Look, he may have made a mistake or two, but he's a good guy, doesn't belong in jail, and uh, we'll update you on his situation. He has rejected a plea agreement offered by the government, and when you hear it, I think you'll believe he made the right decision. We'll be right back with Big O. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Well, this is an iconic picture. (laughs) It really is. And I kind of like it. It's Richard Barnett. He is a January 6th defendant, famously with his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. And, uh, well, what do you, what can you say? Uh, 
Look, he's in trouble right now, and we're going to meet him in a second. He's been on the show before. Here are the charges that he's dealing with. Obstruction of an official proceeding, aiding and abetting, entering a restricted building, disorderly conduct in a restricted building. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Demonstrating in Capitol buildings, entering blah, 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 blah. Theft of government property. Huh, I don't remember that. Unlawfully entering... Res- well, he joins us right now, Richard Barnett, along with his attorney, Joseph McBride. They were offered a plea agreement uh, from the government, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first, Joseph, welcome, and Big O, Richard Barnett, welcome back. How you been, uh, how you been doing? Greg, it's good to see you again. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm Great. doing well. Excellent to hear. And uh, look, you guys have been so over the top vilified and it's it's i think very unfair i know that you didn't break anything and you didn't hurt anything hurt anybody that day and that has not even been alleged am i correct in that uh, regard mr mcbride first uh yes you are greg it's good to see you correct as always all right that's the big thing here and sometimes people get offended how can you do that there he is with on his with his feet on a government desk I just am not that I, I'm sorry. I'm not horrified. I got a kick out of it. So, look, Richard, uh, can you tell me what the deal was they offered you and why did you reject it? Sure, Greg. They offered me 70 to 87 months. Uh, there's a fine involved and all that. But the main thing's the time, 70 to 87 months. Uh, and, of course, they were willing to drop all charges except for the one of Destruction of a government proceeding. Of course, that's the one that carries the most time. Uh, you know, the, the short thing is, I'm innocent. Why would I take a plea deal? Um, I was pushed into the building. I've got video of it. I was asked to pose at a desk. I did nothing violent. From the time I was in there, I was looking for a way out, and they wouldn't let me out. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to accept a plea deal. I mean, they're going to put me away for the rest of my life uh, for being a patriot. You know, the, um, and the, the, what was the charge again that they w- still want to get you on disrupting a federal proceeding? What is the penalty for that? Of, Pardon? Uh, uh, maximum of 20 years. Maximum. That's a big risk to take. Now, when you enter a plea, uh, a, jo- a plea agreement, uh, Mr. McBride, don't you have a sense? OK, you know, it says 20 years, but, you know, we're going to make sure it's just a few months or something like that, like 70 months. Like you said, I mean, can't that be negotiated or is it too much of a too much of a wild card? Normally, it would be negotiated and you would have some sense as an attorney and a client what the uh, relative outcome would be. But there is nothing normal about these circumstances. Look no further than the recent and very unfortunate situation of Matthew Perna, who had a plea agreement. And then in the 11th hour, the government hit him with a terrorism enhancement that upped his uh, his points by by eight points, which would have, which would have kept him in jail significantly longer. So much for him, so unbearable for him that he unfortunately took his life. Yeah. So we do know that some cops, uh, well, let people inside. Uh, Alan Dershowitz was on last night. Uh, new video. We've seen Lots of clips before. Here's some more. And this is actually narrated where you can see the police essentially almost escorting people into the Capitol. It's wild. At 2.44 p.m., a police officer in the bottom of the screen can be seen speaking to the officers in front of him and pulling them away, indicating to the crowd that they are allowed to enter. The officers then turn their backs to the crowd, which indicate that they did not possess fear of the protesters. The officers then escort the crowd into the interior of the Capitol. So 
There are people who have been recently uh, found not guilty. Uh, Matthew Martin found not guilty because the judge believed that he believed that the cops led him inside. But Bigo, you just said something. You said you were pushed. Were you pushed inside? Uh, yes, Greg. Uh, <clears throat> I turned on over a video to the prosecution. I thought you may have had a copy of it. It's out there. Uh, I was at the top of the steps looking away from the building. Hundreds of thousands of people below me. Uh, I was looking for my friends. We were just walking by. I had no intention of stopping at the Capitol. I was looking for them uh, to wave their flags so I could find them. Uh, the crowd rushed the building, and I was pushed in. I've sent, sent, seen a, a split video showing the police officers inside pointing to the control room to open the doors. That's a 20,000-pound doors that are mag magnetically locked. So recently, I've even seen that a split screen of that. But yes, I was pushed in and the video was there. Uh, real quick, I only got a couple of seconds left. Bigo, you've been under home confinement, correct? That is correct. And what's that like for you? It's been over a year uh, on home confinement, just about a year, and you got this thing hanging over your head. How are you doing day to day? Yeah, you know what? Uh, you really have to dig deep. I'm not going to say it's easy, but you have to dig deep. I mean, I, I'm a patriot. I'm innocent. Uh, I refuse to bow down. And so I make the best of it. It's hard to make a living. Uh, you know, I'm cooped up naturally. Sometimes it's hard to, 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 to function, but at the same time, I look at my fellow J sixers who are still in prison over a year later, some of them with nothing but a misdemeanor. And it gives me yeah. strength because obviously they're toughing it out. If they can't tough it out. I mean, if I can't, if they can, I can. That's what I, I'm trying to say. I hear you. Richard Barnett, Big O, thank you very much. Good luck. Stay in touch. Your trial is scheduled to start at this point, uh, September 6th of this year. And you got a great attorney there, Joseph McBride. Thank you, gentlemen, to be continued. Absolutely. You bet. Uh, and we'll be right back. Dr. Roz is next. By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Great guy, a good man, He's a good man, Harvard educated, tremendous, tremendous career. And they liked him for a long time. That's like a poll. You know, when you're in television for 18 years, that's like a poll. That means people like you, but he's a he's a great guy. This was the endorsement uh, in this race for Senator from Pennsylvania, U.S. Senator. And Dr. Oz got it from President Trump. I believe that Mehmet Oz will be the one most able to win the general election against a radical left Democrat looking to do unthinkable harm to our country. Dr. Raz joins us, newly endorsed by President Trump. Dr. Raz, welcome back. How much of a how much of a game changer is this for you? It's massive. I think everyone agrees that uh, the people of Pennsylvania have been waiting for an endorsement decision. 61% of voters in Pennsylvania have, uh, in the Republican primary, said they were waiting to see what President Trump recommended. Uh, those folks now have an answer, and pretty quickly it's going to become evident as polling continues. But I got to point out something. President Trump took a lot of time to make this decision. He interviewed me numerous times, uh, did the same with Dave McCormick. I uh, compared us. He found me, and he said this in his uh, announcement, which he wrote himself, by the way, said I was smart, tough, and will never let us down. 
And he felt that way about me because my whole life, as you know, has been played on the stage of national television where I've gone to war and fought for my viewers when it came to big tech or big farm or big agrochemical companies. I went to war with the U.S. government as well. And, and President Trump wanted someone who could speak to these cultural issues, push back against democratic wokeism, and would be brave enough to do it over and over again. He did not find Dave McCormick able to do that. And that's the, the even more important reason for many voters that they're gonna say, all right, well, the president did the homework for us. We sort of thought it anyway, as based on what polls were demonstrating. So we're gonna go with the president's recommendation, which is Dr. Ross. So Dave McCormick, who was a member of the George W. Bush administration, by the way, uh, along with his wife, I believe, who briefly worked for Donald Trump. Um, he's, uh, he says that the endorsement is all, oh, it's just uh, you guys are friends. And you just said, no, this was this was deeper than that. He made a careful evaluation of Dave McCormick. What was it about him that uh, you think mm, did not seal the deal? The president thought he was part of the, the Washington Wall Street revolving door. I suspect he believed that uh, throughout his career, he's made decisions that benefited him in Wall Street, but not Main Street Pennsylvanians. The president's been uh, very clear about the fact that he respects the hard work that the average person puts in. He wants them rewarded for it. While I was doing work trying to do free clinics in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, he was taking a, over half a billion dollars in fees from the Pennsylvania uh, uh, the, the retirement fund, the pension fund for the state school workers. And now all of us as taxpayers are stuck paying an extra half a billion dollars into the fund. Now, these are examples, but there's several along the line of each of our career paths that got any wise evaluator to say, Oz seems to have the best interest of Pennsylvanians in his heart. That may not be the case for Dave McCormick. And we're getting down to the wire. Uh, let's see. The primary is May 17th. That's a little over a month away with the general election, of course, in November. Uh, Dr. Roz, listen, I'm, this is an opinion show. You know how I feel. The audience does. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's my guy. I'm rooting for you, Dr. Roz. Good luck. And uh, please come back soon. But can I ask one, one favor? I want folks out there to realize that we want these campaigns to be fairly conducted. And there was a backroom deal. I'm going to break the news with you right now because I just got, got clear on it. Uh, there was a county north of Philadelphia that endorsed my opponent, Dave McCormick. And it's become to the attention of me and several other senators, Senate candidates, that there was a meeting that where there was no opportunity for the different candidates to present their work, even though we were told that was the case. Uh, there was uh, a, a vote taken where not everyone was present or invited. Uh, there was dishonest reporting on that vote. And I think it's an example of dirty backroom politics that we don't want to have in America. And Republicans should stand for fair elections. And these are the kinds of shenanigans that upset people. It's, you know, insider politics and it's got to stop. So I, I'm calling out right now uh, the, the folks who are in the, in the McCormick campaign to defend what they have done in Bucks County. Good luck, Dr. Roz. Please come back again. Uh, candidate for U.S. Senate. The primary is in about a month. Take care. and We'll be right back. Well, thanks again. Stinch is next, and um, we so appreciate your support to be continued.